BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show, Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, the Bauer and Rose podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to get this, and we're hosted, by the way, online at uh, justthenews.com. Make sure and give us a five-star rating. Recommend us to friends and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Gary Bauer blowing a gasket. I'm going to – can I blow a gasket before you do today? I would – I would. I prefer when you blow gaskets. I'm, I'm too old to be blowing gaskets every day. Okay. Now, Super Bowl, just a phenomenal game. It was really one of the – the first half was rather boring, but it, it was just an extraordinary football game. Whatever respect – and it really wasn't much to begin with – I had for this uh, Travis Kelsey uh, is gone now. Uh, his attack on his on his spectacular coach. This is a three hundred pound tight end savaging his coach on national television in the middle of the Super Bowl because he wasn't in a particular play. It was a fumble. Um, the media loves him, adores him. Apparently, he has some kind of. Apparently, he has a girlfriend. I've read uh, Zach Bauer has told me about. Yeah, she she's an up and coming singer. My understanding is. Uh, I just thought that was so disgusting. I mean, the guy is a that's a that's a totally thuggish act, uh, total disrespect. One of the great coaches in all of football, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's shaming the guy. Nobody's trashing the guy. This was the this was the act of a thug, and it honks me off. You know, I it I saw it when it happened. You know, they showed it sure, right sure, away. Sure, 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 sure. And uh, and it seemed like, man, oh man, really? And and look, the the coach actually looked startled, and and like you know that somebody was it almost looked like he was being attacked. It pushed you know? down. I mean, Andy Reid looked like he was, and he lost his footing there. Yeah. So, but you know, I heard a former player on the team. Now, maybe this was because the guy was a former player and he didn't want to blow it out of proportion. They, after all, won the Super Bowl. He goes, look, I, I'm not going to comment other than the fact they won. And what you saw is the relationship that that incredible coach has with that incredible player. They yell at each other. They challenge each other. They get angry with each other. And five minutes later, they're working toward the goal the thing I would say that was different about that, though, Tom, is all those things that guy was referring to, I would assume, happened on the practice field, happened in the locker room, not in in front of 132 million people that watched that Super Bowl. I mean, if I were the coach, I'd be pretty ticked off. I wonder – well, look, I mean, this is – and again, what aggravates the entire situation, which – it makes it so much more offensive is that this guy, Travis Kelsey, obviously a superstar, 6'5", 255, he's all muscle, and he literally almost physically assaults. How old is Andy Reid? Andy's got to be pushing 70, doesn't he? You know, he, Andy's had a few too many pizzas in his day. Uh, <laughs> uh, admittedly, I mean, I thought this bordered on Almost a physical assault. I was stunned by it. And what stuns me more is that <clears throat> he, again, this is the player, Travis Kelsey, is 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 uh, uh, lionized by the media, lionized by uh, CBS Sports. Uh, the one thing that he did do, uh, which I think 
helps your son, Zach Bauer, who is a huge Tony Romo fan for reasons I can't understand. Romo ruined the broadcast at the end of the game. I don't know whether you saw that, but um, in sports, there's this thing called letting the event breathe. Right. You just let it speak for itself. And Romo just went diarrhea of the mouth dissecting the you know this is the final play they win it in overtime three seconds to go have we talked enough about the super bowl uh, well no because i want to well i want to point out one other thing that i know you'll agree with me on um I, I i i am more than irritated that okay so if you were watching the game i know where you're going with this yeah, one yeah well maybe you don't because there's <clears> a couple of things but there, there's um um uh, they they played the the, the oh, national God, yeah, anthem, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was so it was She's so fabulous. well done. Reba McIntyre's the best. Yeah, I mean, just classy and and beautifully sung. And, and of course, it is the national anthem of America. Yeah, but she's the white. The national Karen. anthem. Of she's white. Whites, blacks, Hispanics. I know, but Reba McIntyre is white. Wasn't that a well, demonstration know, of was, white supremacism? anthem of all of, of us. course they they also played uh god bless america which uh, you know some people think ought to be the national anthem right. uh and i you know that that was greeted also uh with great cheers from uh, who sang that song who was this guy did he just come out of like a cuisinart or something uh, I've never seen a more hideous-looking creature in my life. I don't remember remember what he looked like. Oh my God! He had tattoos him. over every square nanometer oh. of his face. He oh, had safety yes. pins I coming out of because I couldn't completely read his face. Uh, in, in the amount, it was. Of I mean, it was like a. Free, it was like going to, you know. A freak show and and being told that the boneless wonder is in booth six. Yeah. So, but before the national anthem and before God bless America, they also announced the singing of a song. And I'm going to blow the name of it. It's actually a hymn. It's uh, lift up, lift your voice and sing, or lift up. Uh, your let all voices. Let all voices lift up. I don't know what it is. Uh, it just shows you what kind of bigots we are. We don't even know the name of it. But when they announced it, they said, you know, they just announced it as uh, an inspirational song, you know. But leading up to that, all the NFL stuff that was put out made it absolutely clear this was the Black National Anthem. And it was the fourth year in a row they had uh, they had sung it. I think they started doing it. After the summer of 2020 with uh, George Floyd and that horror and all the rest of it. Uh, and Tom, I, it is the exact opposite of what the NFL should do or what any of us should be supportive of. This America, this country needs to be united more than anything else. So we have a national anthem and it covers everybody. So what now we've got. Uh, the national anthem. Then we got the black national anthem. Well, why not an Hispanic national anthem? They're the fastest growing group in America. What 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 about uh, an Asian national anthem? How about a straight national anthem and a gay national anthem? An indigenous peoples na- uh, national What about anthem? hey, you're leaving us out, pal? What about Hatik for the Jewish national anthem? Where was oh. that? Oh, come on. That just would be totally ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> actually, that is a beautiful national anthem. It actually I is. It my actually eye is. When I uh, join your tribe in singing that. You're right. Uh, so it's just this this era we live in. And look, Tom, black Americans, the, I, you know, I know you and I know many black Americans. Uh, me, the people I have met over the years are the most patriotic people. They, you know, over our history, they, they volunteered to fight in our wars. They acquitted themselves incredibly well. They get a tear in their eye when the national anthem of America is played. They don't need some group of woke white people at the NFL telling them that their real national anthem is this thing that was played uh, before Anything else was play, but I've got a solution about how to get that off the agenda. We should just tell everybody we really love it because it's a hymn. And we really love that the NFL now is embracing Christianity. That that song will be gone in probably 48 hours if we can convince everybody it's a hymn. (laughs) You and I were texting 
during the uh, the game, the uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the 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 Christian ads, the the so called Jesus ads, and my question is. Does Jesus love Christians or just Muslims and uh, drug addicts and drug pushers and strung out homeless people? I, I was, I'm not Christian, obviously. Uh, does Jesus not love normal people? I, I, those ads, I, I didn't get those ads. Obviously, yeah. Jesus loves sinners. Uh, but the implication that I took away as a non-Christian was that Jesus loves everybody but Christians? <laughs> well, Tom, I mean, you you would you were not uh, you would not be amiss in having that interpretation. Now, I look. There are some people I know that that said, "Hey, Gary, a whole you know a, a hundred million people uh, that might have been the first thing they ever saw about Jesus, and if that makes them look a little bit further, it's a good thing." I actually think, on balance, it, it could be. A bad thing. Uh, if if the message, look, I over the years, Tom, in meeting after meeting with my fellow Christians here in town, Christian conservatives will we'll be uh, discussing the border issue, and I'll be railing against the open borders and how we we need to secure our border. And inevitably, one of my brothers or sisters in Christ will say to me, "Gary, Christ loves migrants too." And I go, well, of course he does. And he likes taxpayers. <laughs> I mean, you, your point does not solve anything about the issue. I can find a lot of Bible verses that makes it clear that uh, the message of the Bible is uh, secure your nation, build a wall, keep your enemies out of your country. Uh, those are all moral <laughs> concepts that are supported by the Christian gospel. The other thing that bothered me about the ad, Tom, is that, for example, there's they, there was a scene of a, an abortion clinic. You see some pro-life demonstrators off to the side, and then you see a woman kneeling down. Presumably, uh, she's one of the pro-life demonstrators, and she's washing the feet of a woman that's either going in for an abortion or just came out having an abortion. And the message is Jesus loves women, whether they get abortions or not. Uh, and Jesus loves women that fight for and defend the sanctity of his creation. Uh, if you look at what's happened in recent months, most of the hatred and violence has not been outside of abortion clinics. It's been outside of crisis pregnancy centers that overwhelmingly are subsidized and supported by Christians. So why wasn't that particular example, an example of a woman carrying a pro-life sign sitting down while a woman that just came out of her abortion kneels down to wash her feet? I mean, because Jesus loves that pro-life woman certainly as much as he loves the woman that had an abortion. It strikes me that the message one could get from that, how that ad was presented was that Jesus really doesn't think much of police officers, pro-lifers, straight people, uh, people that resist open borders. Uh, now, you know, if you, okay, if you wanted to test the concept of Jesus didn't teach hate, yeah, that's absolutely right. He did say hate the sin, but love the sinner, basically. Um, I wonder why they didn't have a scene of somebody washing the feet of a guy with a MAGA hat on. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a very relevant because people with MAGA hats have been called Nazis, um, jihad, you know, the equivalent of Al-Qaeda, uh, uh, homophobes, uh uh, haters of the poor, a threat to our democracy. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton has said that they need to be rounded up and put through uh, re-education camps. I can't think of, a, of an entity in America that is hated more than MAGA people. Of course. And that's why uh, I, what struck me about the ads, and I believe there were two of them, was that it seems that Jesus loves everybody practicing Christians. I want to I want to move on to what I think and and here I will be cribbing shamelessly 
with attribution, uh, Mark Levin's Saturday night show on Fox about the Robert Herr special counsel report. Um, And he's the only one I think that I've seen in remotely mainstream media that, in my opinion, has gotten to the crux of the issue here. This report, 380 pages, I haven't read it all. There were 60 or 70 pages of of, uh, of, uh, appendices that I haven't read. But the entire focus is on uh, Biden's mental acuity or lack thereof. Now, this is a surprise or a revelation to no one. Joe Biden, who in his 36 years in the Senate distinguished himself as the dumbest man in the history of the Senate, obviously as your cognitive abilities decline, as your mental capacity declines, you don't become smarter. And if you're stupid to begin with, that's, that's a bad sign. So we all know that. We all know that Biden is literally a dysfunctional dotard. The question of a second term uh, precludes the very real possibility that he won't complete his first term. But Levin's point was that this so-called revelation completely buried the substance of this report. Remember, President Trump is now charged with 40 violations of the Espionage Act, the um, uh, uh, in his classified documents case. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me read, and I know you hate when I do this, but I want to read a couple of the citations from this report that show Joe Biden's violations were far, far more serious than anything Donald Trump has been a, a, accused of doing. The significant distinction here is that Donald Trump as president of the United States, constitutionally is the executive branch of government. He can, by fiat, by action, or by signing some piece of paper produced by the bureaucracy, declassify any document he wants. The very fact that a president removes a document is ipso facto declassification. Now, listen to some of these findings in the Her report that are completely buried in the media's obsession about Biden's age. It's remarkable how the media, which is supposed to cover stories, only now seems to recognize that we have a completely incapacitated commander-in-chief. As Victor Davis Hanson points out, parenthetically, the irony of this whole thing is that the Her Report concludes in his in his pathetic attempt to exonerate Biden, that he's not competent to stand trial, but yet he's competent to be commander-in-chief. Anyway, listen to this. Pardon me. This is from the executive summary, page one. Our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed highly classified materials after his vice presidency when a private citizen. These materials included marked classified documents about military and foreign, (coughs) pardon me, military (coughs) and foreign procedures. The FBI agents recovered these materials from the garage, offices, basement den in Mr. Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. However, for reasons summarized below, we conclude that the evidence doesn't establish um, uh, willful evidence of a crime. The department routinely highlights such risks in classifying documents in pursuing classified mishandling prosecutions. But addressing those risks through criminal charges, the only means available to this office is not the proper remedy here. Um, Listen to this. Asked about reports that former President Trump had kept classified documents at his own home, Mr. Biden wondered, quote, how anyone could be that irresponsible and voiced concern about what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods. This, of course was four years after President Biden, according to the Her report, had willfully 
and knowingly retained classified documents um, that he took from the White House as vice president. The difference being, Gary, the vice president does not have ipso facto declassification authority. The vice president is not the executive branch constitutionally. Only the president is. Here's the... uh, Here's the president in the her report on tape uh, speaking to his ghostwriter in 2017. That, according to my count, is seven years ago. Hey, comma, just found all the classified stuff you requested downstairs. At the time, he was renting a home in Virginia where he met his ghostwriter to work on his second memoir, Downstairs from where they met was Mr. Biden's office where he stored papers, often carelessly. This goes on and on and on, far more serious than any of the charges that President Trump now faces. President Trump was pilloried because he allegedly waved a magazine article that uh, contained Uh, references to classified information in a meeting. And here we have Joe Biden on tape, on tape, saying, hey, I just found all the classified stuff you wanted downstairs. Uh, And it goes on. I mean, I could spend the rest of the show on this. You you know, and it add insult to injury, Tom, the um, uh, what most of the country's hearing, unless they're listening to Bauer and Rose or uh, Fox News or reading the Wall Street Journal or whatever, is that these cases are totally uh, different. Uh, you know, what Trump did is so much more serious because he was guilty of obstruction of justice. Uh, so the, it's being explained the exact opposite of what you and I know to be true. They completely leave out that Biden at no time uh, during this period under review had the ability to declassify anything. Uh, And that Trump, when he took those documents with him, did have the ability and said, has said repeatedly that he did declassify them. And the, and the proof of it is he took them. That's a declassification of them, which only he can do. All these people are, well, he never signed a paper or he never said, well, then signed a paper to who? You know, everybody in the bureaucracy, a lot of people in the bureaucracy um, have the may have the ability to declassify something um, uh, that people below them um, have worked on. Nobody in the bureaucracy can declassify things that are in the possession of the people above them. And nobody is above the president of the United States. He's the only one that can declassify anything. Even a vice president cannot declassify something that a president has not already classified. Declassified. Well, and and here's the other thing that that strikes me. The excuse mongers on MSNB, or actually all the networks, all legacy media is that Biden cooperated. Well, first of all, he didn't cooperate because evidence is now irrefutable that he was well aware he, quote, willfully and knowingly retained classified documents from at least 2017. So he knew he had these documents for five years, He at least five years. And that precludes items that he stole, that's correct, stole as a senator from a SCIF. And a SCIF, as you know, Gary, some of our listeners might not. It's a secured classified information facility where people with high levels of security clearance. I had the TSSCI, which is, God knows why they gave it to me, but uh, the highest level of uh, classification. If I needed to see a classified document, I had to physically enter one of these facilities and... um, Read it. Couldn't bring in a phone or notes with no paper or anything like that. You read it. You leave it there. Biden had scores, boxes of classified documents from his time as senator. So the notion that he, quote unquote, cooperated, he cooperated when he got caught. And as far as Donald Trump is concerned, 
he was engaged, his lawyers were engaged in a back-and-forth negotiation about what is or is not classified, what the National Archivist, who, by the way, was dead silent on this, I didn't hear a word from him, um, uh, demanded or requested as part of the National Archive. But it, it, it misses the entire point. If I steal yeah. your car and I get caught... And I say, okay, here's the car back. I'm cooperating. I stole it. Here it is. That doesn't change the fact that I stole the bloody car. Well, Tom, in addition to that, you know, nobody should forget that Hunter Biden had access to these places and was there frequently. And Hunter, of course, has got his own legal morass and mess because it appears he was the bag man for the Biden family. And a series of deals with foreign governments and entities in foreign countries, uh, many of which were not friends of the United States. So, you, you know, Republicans on Capitol Hill today are calling for a, a release of the entire I think it's a five hour a total interview with uh, with with uh, President Biden, because they want to see whether the, the special counsel uh, attempted to ask Biden why those particular documents related to the particular countries they related to, what was the reason they were the ones that he uh, unlawfully took with him? Because there's some circumstantial evidence that this was stuff that Hunter then used in order to win the contracts he got over the years with uh, uh, entities in Ukraine, communist China and Russia. And who knows where else? The Soviet Union right. as well. The mayor of uh, Moscow's wife. Here's one other uh, nugget. And I'm just thumbing through this thing. Uh, this is a crime. Quote, evidence suggests Biden knew he could not keep classified handwritten notes at home after leaving office. Mr. Biden, comma, who had decades of experience with classified information, was deeply familiar with the measures taken to safeguard classified information and the need for those measures to prevent harm to national security. The practice of retaining classified material in unsecured locations and reading classified material to one's ghostwriter presents very serious risks to national security given the vulnerability of extraordinarily sensitive information to loss or compromise. Those are crimes. And the media, even Fox News, exonerated but condemned because he's a dotard. He was completely exonerated, said the New York Times. And any assertion or suggestion to the contrary, is quote-unquote misinformation and false news. Have any of these reporters, so-called journalists or former journalists or phony journalists, even read this thing? Well, I think, yeah, Tom, I think they have read it. I, and look, I, I don't think it's accidental that the one thing um, a reporter who is, after all, just a member of the leftist uh, coalition that, wants to forever control America. The, the one thing the reporter can get away with is um, an, an issue like being, you know, not mentally fit. You know what I mean? That doesn't have any ideological implications to it. The, the, the guy, in fact, if he's mentally, mentally unfit, may actually hurt the cause of leftism by doing stupid things that undermine uh, left-wing arguments. Uh, so, I, I mean, I just think they 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 have no desire to be actual investigative reporters. In fact, the folks at Fox, I think they would love for Biden to step down because I think they feel it would be a twofer that if Biden steps down and there's a young replacement, that then there will be overwhelming uh, pressure on the Republican Party. Uh, to uh, nominate somebody young and new. Hey, Nikki Haley says, whichever party gets rid of their 80-year-old first will end up winning the election. Uh, I think it's why she stays in. I hope that there'll be such revulsion against the fact that we have two people uh, of advanced age, one of them mentally challenged, the other one 
smarter than a Cracker Jack, uh, will ultimately, though, bother the American people enough that somebody like her will be able to walk into the nomination. By the way, Tom, I believe that if something happens and she got the nomination, the, the Republican Party will suffer an historic loss with her at the top of the ticket, and it will probably be the end of the Republican Party. Well, she there's no way she can win the MAGA vote. She's an empty suit. She pokes and provokes and trashes Trump at every occasion. And here I'll say something. I'm a huge Trump guy. I love him. He was a great president. Mr. President, you don't need advice from Tom Rose, but don't take on Nikki Haley's husband who's deployed overseas. The problem you think he didn't know. I, I wonder if he just didn't know that I, because I don't think he'd bring it up if he knew it. But it, um, yeah, it, it was took not- away. You got he has to he does understand and doesn't care. The man misconjugates a verb and it's front page of The New York Times. Right. Th- yeah. There has never been a political figure in our country's history subjected to more ruthless and vindictive, obsessive coverage. And when your opponent is shooting himself in the head, as the Her report did, keep quiet. Don't say anything. And by the way, can I can I say something in <clears throat> in um, uh, uh, conditioned defense of President Trump? The other thing that the left blew up with blew up over this weekend was the president's comments about NATO at a rally. He made a comment. You understand what he meant. I understand what he meant. The targets of the comment understand what he meant. But everybody that covered the comments either understands the comments and wants to lie to you about what it meant. He said, if any NATO country doesn't carry its load then Russia can do what it wants to them. Now, you know what that meant. That's right. chapter four of Art of the Deal, yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, it's just the, the willful ignorance is, is incredible. And, and, you know, and, and of course... It was, it, was, is, it was an inartful statement. I, yes. will, I will I'll concede that. An but, inartful statement from the Art of the Deal. <laughs> no, but his point was... Not to encourage Russia, it was to encourage NATO. And listen to this headline this morning from the Daily Telegraph. Trump's derision of NATO prompts Europe to rapidly ramp up spending for its own defense. Wow. That, that is, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, you know, this, this has been a theme for his whole presidency. It continues to be a theme. Here's a guy, let, let's imagine it's your local club and it's been around for a long time and it's got some nice facilities and so forth. But all the members of the club have to put up a certain amount of dues every year in order to keep things in a working order for all the other members. No member by themselves can can burden, carry the whole burden. They've all got to do it. So the the new president of the club says, uh, I want you, we got eight people over here and they're living off the rest of us. I demand they pay their dues now or I'm going to kick their butts out. You got to pay your dues. Now, would anybody say that new president of the club is trying to break up the club? No, he's trying to make the club stronger by demanding everybody fulfill their obligations to pay their dues. The people that are making the club get weaker are the long string of presidents of both parties and the American foreign policy establishment that keeps letting socialist European countries get away with growing socialism while they expect us to fight their wars. And this is undermining among the American people support for the kind of foreign policy we may very well need now more than ever, given that the waters we're swimming around in are, are more shark infested than they've ever been. Um, Tom, I, I said something negative the other day in my end of day. Uh, I said, about Putin, um, I said, uh, you know, I don't understand these attacks on on Tucker. People have interviewed Putin oh, for years. So Tucker interviewed 
Putin, what, how's that a problem? But I, but in describing this, I said, look, Putin's a thug. I wouldn't want him watching my grandkids. I wouldn't trust him with my money. I actually got blowback from people going, why would you call Putin a thug? I, I, to, to me, he sounds like a guy that, you know, is tired of war and he, he doesn't, you know, all he wanted was to be left alone. And they, and they, they bring up surprising points that I had to do a little bit. And this is on a, this is on an email list, Tom, of thousands and thousands of conservative pro American Christians. Yeah. And that's, there is, um, and I think it's, it's part of the Tucker Carlson effect. There are, well, we know what the left does, but there are people, understandably, because of all uh, the outrages of the deep state, the, the politicization of the justice system, politicizing and weaponizing the FBI and rigging elections, it goes on and on and on, that there are, and I think Tucker falls into this category, which relieves him of some culpability, I think, and also might implicate him in others, where he's anti-establishment, and therefore everything the establishment stands for has to be opposed. When in fact, I agree that 90% of what the establishment agrees upon uh, should be opposed or pushed back against. And by the way, I I didn't watch all two hours and 20 minutes of it, um, I didn't think Putin was all that effective. And Tucker asked some pretty good questions. He missed opportunities to ask other questions. But, you know, there's always the possibility of, uh, of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking. But getting back to this NATO thing, it cracks me up. The, 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 this Trump comment, which was an offhanded comment at a rally, but it was offhanded to the extent that it reinforced everything he said and believed about any alliance, any partnership. The guy's a businessman. If I go into business with Donald Trump, I sign a contract with Donald Trump, I'm obligated to do X, Y, and Z. If I fall short at X, Y, and Z, Donald Trump's going to come after me for not fulfilling my end of the bargain. But the irony here is that as the world loses its mind over the Trump comment about NATO, they've called an emergency, uh, uh, NATO, NATO defense ministers, they've called an emergency meeting at NATO headquarters on Thursday um, uh, over the weekend at the, uh, at the, the Munich Security Conference, which I will uh, attend, by the way, to immediately address this problem. And how are they going to step up? They now have to take on more of a responsibility because Donald Trump says the free ride is over. And by the way, we know who he's talking about. I don't know if you're comfortable mentioning names, but I'm comfortable mentioning yeah, names. No, name names. As long as Germany. It's yeah. Germany. It's the Netherlands to an extent. It's Belgium. It's, it's uh, Denmark. Not East European countries. We have problems with Hungary because Hungary, uh, Viktor Orban, who, uh, by the way, is a bastion of... of, of protecting uh, Hungarian Christian culture, uh, is in bed with Putin. He's a problem. I don't have a problem naming names. Um, but the irony is, is that, that this Trump throwaway line has already achieved its objectives. They've called an emergency meeting on Thursday to begin the process of dramatically ramping up their own uh, defense efforts. Yeah, you know, Tom, uh, we, we we do have a problem, as you as you know, uh, with this growing um, this growing idea among the American public. I one of the phrases that some of these people who wrote uh, use is a phrase I've used a lot, which is, "I'm tired of forever wars that we don't win," and there is there is a record of this. That is long and depressing. Um, and in middle America, you've got a whole lot of young men and women that either died in these wars or came home grievously, physically or mentally wounded by these wars. And people, you know, of course, I mean, there was a horrible <clears throat> price to pay in World War Two, Right. But but mitigating the horrible price was that we won 
we defeated the evil opponent and preserved freedom. That's not what what these wars have have. That's not what's happened as the result of them. In fact, you can argue they've they've done the exact opposite. We removed Saddam Hussein from Iraq and in the process removed the one natural opponent of Iran in the process so that the Iraqi government now is in some ways a stooge, a puppet of the Iranian government. Listen to this headline from today's New York Times. Trump poised to favor foes over friends in a second term. Oh, my God. That's a headline. That This isn't the op-ed page. This is the front page. The front page. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, it, 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 well, it shows you that they're scared to death that the guy's going to win. I mean, that's why, as I've said until I'm blue in the face, that between now and Election Day in November, I – I, I, I don't even want to think about all the things that could happen at, at the hand of these people to stop him getting back into the White House. Because I think they know he is going to go after them. He has to go after them to stop what they've been doing, this using of the growing power of the federal government to attack Americans right on the right side of the political spectrum we he can't go in and allow this uh uh censoring of america on social media of uh using the financial system to debank people if they've got the wrong views of uh, uh attacking freedom of religion the freedom of assembly uh, all the rest of it that we're seeing over and over and over again he's got to deal with all of that and this is how they have been taking America and making it into something completely different from the America that won World War II. I, I would love someone, I don't know how you would do it definitionally, to put a structured, research, detailed list in order of the worst lies spread about Donald Trump. I don't know if it would be the top one. But this headline, emblematic, Trump poised to favor foes over friends in a second term. The lie that he wants to blow up alliances. The lie that he wants to withdraw from NATO. The lie that he's, um, uh, you know, he's irresolute in the face of, of China or Putin. It, it has to be willful because... Anybody that's ever handled for a car, anyone that's ever bought a used piece of furniture understands that this is art of the deal language to achieve what is in the best interest, not just of the United States, Gary, but the best interest of our partners and our allies. If they're incapable of defending themselves, that not only puts a much greater burden on us, it invites provocation, it invites things like Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, when Joe Biden says, well, a small invasion, you know, it's not, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Look, um, it's a way, Tom, it invites uh, the, the uh, massacre of uh, October 7th. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've got time for one more segment i want to and and this is you know we're we're still nobody really knows nobody can figure out the um the possible motive uh behind this this uh uh, hijab wearing terrorist who attacked joel osteen's pro-israel lakewood church um who wrote free palestine on her rifle and had she was wearing a hijab and had Free Palestine on her rifle. I knew the the Free Palestine, but was she literally she was wearing, wearing a hijab? Yeah, and it had anti-Israel hate literature on her person. Obvi- look, let's not jump to conclusions here, Bauer. Let's let's not jump to conclusions. Uh, you know, my guess is that they're probably going to determine she had uh, um, a mental illness. This reminds me of the case in Vermont where the three Muslim men were shot. Uh, in an immediately universally labeled attack of Islamophobia, we later learn that the attacker 
himself was a Muslim. Uh, so I don't want to jump to conclusions as to why this jihadist might possibly have attacked Joel Osteen's church in Lakewood, but another terror attack. And thank God, thank God, um, aside from that, that desperately critically ill five-year-old boy, what a tragedy that is. Uh, this could have been a... Uh, thank God there were a couple of guys in there, uh, off-duty uh, security guys, or uh, off. I think they were, they were off-duty police officers, but they had, you know, the ability to carry, uh, and they confronted her, uh, and I think she opened fire. Yes, and, she did, absolutely. Yeah. She And they held their ground, and they... they, seriously, they wounded a, seriously wounded a five-year-old little boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but of course, Tom, we, this fits a pattern, right? I mean, there were attacks uh, on Christmas celebrations uh, this past Christmas in the name of um, jihad or standing with Gaza or whatever the the you know the 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 uh, radicals on that side want to how they want to position themselves. No, no, no Christmas peace until. Israel is out of Gaza or whatever. Well, Israel was out of Gaza the day before the attack on Israel. Right. Uh, right. So, right. Uh, but are you struck by the fact that this is not, uh, well, to the extent that there's been any coverage at all, after all, it was a <clears throat> an evangelical Christian church and who cares about evangelicals being attacked or shot? I mean, that's not the media's interest. Uh, they deserve it. They're white supremacists. All the, the black and Hispanic members of the Lakewood Church in Houston, they're all, you know, closet white supremacists. But um, I, w- I wasn't surprised, Tom. There was that. Remember a couple years back, uh, some guy in Wisconsin uh, with a long record on social media of hatred for uh, Christians and uh, uh, Jews and uh, white people, uh, long criminal record, uh, drove his car down the middle of a Christmas parade. And killed dozens of people, crippled dozens more, and the media the media spent full time to to uh, make sure that nobody could connect what the guy had repeatedly said about what he believed and the horror of the event uh just just like uh you, you know every reporter immediately found it credible when uh Jesse Smollett said. That at three o'clock in the morning, in the middle of a snowstorm in Central City, Chicago, he ran into the uh, group of MAGA supporters that are known for hanging out in the middle of Chicago in snowstorms. At, uh, with, right. 15 yeah. below zero. And he was going right. out, of course, to get sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. Sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and nobody questioned it. They ran with it. And when people started questioning, oh, this is outrageous. They're trying to pin it on the victim until finally, you know, even the most obtuse uh, leftists had to admit not that. Jesse Smollett had to be a real bad guy, a real jerk, uh, somebody that deserves no respect. No, when they finally turned on him, they turned on him because he hurt the cause by making a report that he couldn't prove. Uh, you, you know, that, that that whole we predicted this, Tom, years ago when the whole hate crime thing was pushed through, that inevitably this would be hate crime in one direction. It would be defined in a way to punish conservatives and you would see fake hate, hate crimes out the kazoo. And that is exactly what has happened over the years. So, I, you know, I mean, it's it's. It's the world we live in, and it has to be willful because <clears throat> there's no way you can have such a gaping blind spot. And I keep asking, you know, will this be what tips it? Will this be what tips it? And it's, I have to reproach myself because nothing will tip it. For them, it's a religion. You and I have religions, right? We have religions that are outside of day-to-day politics, things we believe, things we value that uh, supersede daily concerns. The left, the largely secular, increasingly atheistic left, doesn't. And as Viktor Frankl wrote magnificently in Man's Search for Meaning, uh, uh, an Auschwitz survivor, a Holocaust survivor, wrote that 
that what is absolutely essential for survival is a belief system. And if it's not religion, it's not like you're not religious. You just adopt something else as your religion. And that is this leftist, leftist worldview. Well, you know, uh, to, to those that haven't figured out yet how serious the battle is, Tom, and what's at stake, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm cursed by continuing to run into people that say, oh, well, those are some real jerks, man. They're going to be really in for a surprise when they leave this earth and find out that you know, everything we believed was true. You know, what idiots, et cetera, uh, that this what we're battling cannot tolerate truth. It's not as if truth can go over into a corner and take care of its own family and go to its own place of worship and educate its children in its own ideas, because the very existence of truth and those that believe truth is an affront to the lies of the left, the Marxists, the radical secularists, and they will not rest until they have wiped truth and its representatives off the face of the earth. So not only do we have something else, Tom, but we are unfortunately living at a time where we're going to have to fight in ways that most of us never dreamed of in order to preserve our families and ourselves, because there is an effort to literally destroy truth so that nobody can ever find it. Well, that's a a magnificent capstone to our podcast today. Uh, For those of you listening for the first time, the the anti-Semitic and anti-Israel Gary Bauer uh, has behind his desk a beautiful portrait of a snow-drenched western wall, the Kotel Hamaravi, the western wall of Solomon's Temple in Jerusalem, the holiest place for Jews, the last remnant of the Second Temple. Um, so... All the folks at the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, who, you know, call Gary Bauer a white supremacist, uh, (laughs) anti-Israel, literally right behind the man's desk. I'm jealous. I want it. Uh, I want it. I I, make me an offer, but but you better (laughs) check your bank account before you do, because I'm not letting go of it easily. No, I mean, it's right. It's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's right behind his desk. It's uh, it's beautiful. And uh I, I love it, and uh, that's that's why it's there. When things get I get really perturbed uh, about something going on, I look back and remember all the history that has taken place at that site. History is so central to the whole meaning of Judeo Christian civilization. I, I, don't tell Carol because she'll she won't want you to get the big head. But I'm just blown away by that. That is just very touching. It really is. Not to mention the fact that. You're going to want to alert office staff when I'm in town. Uh, if it disappears, <laughs> you uh, you might have a suspect. You might have a suspect. I might yeah, st- now when I'm not doing this uh, podcast with you, Tom. <laughs> I know where this that is goes going. down, and a big a big picture of Trump with a MAGA hat. Gets <laughs> you could do that too. <laughs> you could with AI. You could superimpose Trump that, uh, in the MAGA hat at the wall. Yes. yes. Anyway, we're out of time. Have a terrific uh, couple of days, and we'll talk to you soon. Make sure hit that subscribe button if you like the podcast and show. If you don't, do it anyway and recommend us to friends. Have a great couple days, everybody. 